the Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group's Thursday Night Alcoholics and God Speaker Step Series. Now let's have our joke from Miss Tanisha. The joke is called Drinks on Me. A drunk walks into a bar and says, Drinks on me for everyone all night. When the night's over, the barman asks for the money and the drunk says, He got none. So the barman takes him outside and beats the out of him. The next night, the drunk walks in and says, Drinks on me, but not for the barman. He gets angry when he's drunk. <laughs> I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Tanner. I just want to thank everyone for joining us tonight. In a minute or two, we're going to start our two-minute meditation. So please take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all devices that make noise that might or will distract others. Take this time to get connected to God and let the craziness of the day drift away. And ask God to help you stay focused on the step study tonight. Is everybody ready? If so, let's start the meditation. fog-like prayer. If you don't know what it is, it'll be on your screens to my right and to my left. The me version of the fog-like prayer. God, let your love shine like a fog-light so those who are lost and dying can find your love through you. Amen. There's a solution from the big book, page 17. 
The tremendous fact for every one of, a, every one of us is that we have di discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. I've asked Peter to read Spiritual Experience. We read this because the main purpose of the 12 steps is to have one. So it's kind of important to know what one is. Thank you. Hello, everyone. My name is Peter, and I'm a recovered alcoholic. Peter. Spiritual experience. The term spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which upon careful reading, shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapid growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. She finally realizes that she has gone, undergone a profound alternative in his or her reaction to life, that such a change would hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think that this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. <clears throat> Most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual conceptions. Concepts. We can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program, willingness, 
honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle which is bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a, a man or woman in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer, Alcoholics Anonymous, pages 567, true, 568. Thank you. Thank you. Please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. This is a tech-free meeting, so set your phones to airplane slash meeting mode or just turn them off. And, um, you know, it's been a great, great nine or so sessions, and we're on the second to last session tonight, and it's, uh, it's an honor to introduce Peter. You know, he has a great message, so open your hearts. Here's Peter. My name is Peter. I'm a recovered alcoholic. Grateful to be alive and sober and part of a sacred place called Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, again, thank the group for having me. Um, and I just need to throw a shout out to the, the trusted servants in this group. Uh, these guys and ladies are here early. I know that because I sponsor Michael. They do the same thing on Monday. They're here early and getting this place set up. I mean, it looks fabulous. Uh, if we can just give it up for the trusted servants of this group. The past couple of weeks getting around to a lot of different meetings, and I'm not one of those gender-specific meeting guys, but I even tried a, a men's-only meeting, and it was very nice, and getting to different places. I was in a town called Lake Worth. I don't even know where it was. I'm down here 10 years. I don't even know where Lake Worth was. And to go to these different meetings, um, just trying to hear some stuff. It's what I was taught to do at the beginning, get in the car and go. Um, some I like, some I don't like. But there's something about this meeting on a Thursday night. I mean, I don't know if you feel that way. When I walk in, I kind of feel like I'm about to attend a conference, the way it's set up. Uh, and the, the love and uh, uh, passion that's given to this group. And um, the speakers uh, that, that they, the group brings in, putting me aside for a moment, I don't understand why this room is in standing room only every Thursday night. I, 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 it still puzzles me. There shouldn't be a seat to be had on a Thursday night with some of the folks that uh, the group brings in, but that's the way it is. So I, I'm very grateful to be here. And um, did you ever read the big book uh, and somebody tells you there's a piece of information in there and you read it and you read it and then one day you read it and say, when did that get in there? They just put it in there like last night. And uh, I'm sitting in a big book meeting this week and I uh, grabbed off the shelf a Fort Tradition big book, which for personal reasons I've never been a fan of. I hate the cover to start with. But, um, and on the inside fly page, it talks about the program pages 1 to 164. And it says something like, which had been the basis of recovery or foundation of recovery, which had been, and I almost fell out of the chair, Compared to the third edition, which says the basic tech pages 1 to 164 have remained unchanged. This is the AA message. We wonder why people are getting loaded. How do I sit down with a, with a youngin just coming in and he says, well, this had been the message. What's the other message? In other words, I don't really need to do this. 
And I didn't, you know, it, and as a member, I have to take a hit. And members, we have to take a hit for letting that go. What goes in the book and what comes out of the book really has to do with us. And if they slipped it in, and it's a really, for me personally, an awful commentary, an awful statement on the importance of this book and this message. Where people get reborn and resurrected because of it. And if you're around a while and you're struggling, you'll be the first one to say that meetings alone don't treat alcoholism. But this message could and would if I seek it. Because it's a message that brings me to God. And I don't know how that got there, when it got there. Obviously when the fourth tradition came out. But the, the players that were involved. And uh, I think they did a really just an awful job on that. And that's just my, my stance on it. And I learned a long time ago, I, we need to stand for something. Or as the old expression goes, you fall for anything. And so haven't we watered down the message enough in a lot of places, and now our big book's already watered down right on the fly page. Now, how do I go further? Why, why do I go into an inventory when the fly page says this had been the message? So it's not the message anymore. See, if I'm, if I'm sound asleep spiritually, I will make decisions sound asleep. I will get relationships sound asleep. I will take jobs sound asleep. I'll do a lot of things sound asleep. And I'm blind and can't see anything. And spiritually speaking, if I'm daydreaming, I can daydream right through recovery. I fantasize. And I live in delusion. But something happens when we awaken, when I awaken spiritually. We live in truth and see the world from love. We see the all of God in everything. And because I'm a member or other people are members of Alcoholics Anonymous, it doesn't mean that we're much better or awake. So we make sound asleep decisions like putting the message had been. I almost fell out of the chair. I couldn't believe it. And it's been in there. I've heard about it. I probably looked at it and it didn't resonate until I think it was I was in a meeting with David Tuesday night. And I was, when did this get in there? It just got in. I'm afraid to think about the fifth tradition if that thing ever comes out. Uh, do what you want. It's all cool, you know. Um, having gone through uh, the work thus far, and what I've done personally, I've learned how things change, my perceptions and conceptions about life change, and how I do life, how I'm able to do life if I trust and rely upon God and how I'm able to do life when I don't trust and relying upon God. And I will tell you from a personal note, this past year has stretched me, opened me up, sliced and diced me. Starting a new business, a million changes, working way above my pay scale, learning on the fly. It has left me exhausted on many days wondering why I'm even doing this anymore. But that's where God has me. And the only way I've been able to uh, stay afloat, if you will, from an emotional and spiritual level, albeit not perfect, is because of my trust and reliance upon God. And I have learned, you know, it's easy to claim spirituality when everything's firing all cylinders and everything's going according to the way I think it ought to go. But Bill talks about this. What happens when the thunderbolt or you're in the middle of a storm? Then how do I do? My sponsor has said so many times, it's easy to be spiritual when you have a pocket full of money. We know who you really are when you have a pocket full of nothing. Then we know who the real person is, yeah? 
And so what this year has done and God has done has really just stretched and opened me up. And it's been incredibly challenging. And what I have found in my, my weakness, I get to find God's strength, which is part of my 11-step practice, that when I feel like I have strength and look what I'm doing, my personal achievements, I've achieved my goals, then why do I need God? My sponsor has told me, how much money do you think you need? I said, I don't know, a million dollars? No, how much money do you really think you need? And I'm trying to come up with an answer, and he interrupted me. He's just enough not to need God. How much stuff do you need, Pete? Just enough not to need God. Because very often those things are just distractions and take me away from the solution. And what this past year, I mean, it's always been this way, but this past year has thrown me more into work. I'm sponsoring more guys than I have in a long time. I usually have a cutoff list, and I always take one or two more on. You know how that goes? I can't. I can't. All right, come on. But I have a whole truckload of guys and my practice in the morning and my practice in the evening. And what I've done for a whole bunch of years, I actually stopped talking about it because some folks was taking, I was boasting, but I really not. I find a middle of the day to go pray. Not just talk to God, but to pray. And in all the confusion at work, I find a few moments to go meditate. It's my soul food. And I wonder how I would be if I wasn't dedicating my life to God, which it is not better than anyone, just a dedication uh, to God, to, to know God, love God, serve God in this life so I can be with Him in the next. Everything else is second. And I don't do that perfect. I never want to claim perfection. I'm, I'm not a model or an example. It's just what I do, yeah? And my day begins, you know, as, as we clean up the wreckage of our past and the book talks about entering the world of the Spirit. And we start to grow in understanding and effectiveness in 10. And we have our GPS for the day with step 10. Last week I used the term 10 steps. People got confused. Some people call them 10 steps. Some people call them 11 step review. I don't care as long as you're writing and discussing with someone what you did that day. So you're transparent and clean and there's less weight walking around. Because if I'm not careful, I can get plaque on the soul immediately. If I'm not writing, inventorying my day and then discussing with someone, I think I'm feeling good. I think I'm doing okay. All my ducks are on. I got plaque on a soul. And when life hits, I'm not prepared. I love the effect produced by God. But we start to grow in understanding the effectiveness and we experience the 10-step promises. Assuming we're spiritually fit, because if I'm not, I won't. Yeah? If I go to the gym every day, I expect to make some progress. But if I lay off the gym for six months and go in, I can't pick up where I left off. I'll get hurt. I'm not, my body's not prepared to do that kind of workout anymore. And this is the, 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 the AA gym, if you will, the spiritual gym. And so if I did the work five years ago and I've kind of flatlined a little bit when life hits, I'm not going to do well with it. I'll, I'll, I'll look good from the outside, but the in, you know, I look Gucci on the outside and Walmart on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> I had a client give me that one. I stole it from him. A guy with like a week came up with a brilliant line. I said, I'm using that. But it's the truth. You know, we look at me. I'm great. I'm spiritual. I'm Moses. Everything's good. I part the seas. I walk on water. <laughs> then when you follow me home, I look like I got one day back. I sound like I got one day back. Yeah. <laughs> and next, 
we work with step 11, which for me has always been to enhance this relationship with God, enhance all the work I've done, to grow in understanding and effectiveness, to experience more oneness with God. And I can't have anything in the way. I need to be willing to let go of everything. And when I don't, God will take it. And I think God is punishing me for taking things or not giving me what I want as if God sent me, Pete Marinelli, the trials of Job. And that just isn't right. That isn't correct. What God is doing is using in my life everything and everyone to get me in unity with him. And when I think I have unity with God, he's saying we can do much better. And we'll continue to pave the road and get stuff out of the way. And I need to get in the field and chop wood and carry a lot of water. And God will carry us water in broken pots. And that's me. That's Alcoholics Anonymous, which doesn't make sense to logical mind. But it makes perfect sense in a world that is spirit. Stick around here a while and you'll understand what I mean. But I need to be willing to suit up and show up and not just do big book stuff and be a big book AA mechanic and a lawyer because there's fellowshipping and there's working with others, there's packing into the stream and taking all of this, as our book says, into my home occupation and affair, not my home group. We have to look good and sound good and be good. How am I doing? How am I doing when no one's around? No one's around. How am I doing? How am I doing when it hits the fan and no one's around? Am I barking and screaming at people? Am I forgetting about principles in those affairs? In my business, we're forced to look at money to keep the lights on. And it considered an asset in AA and a defect in the business world. I'm more interested in people than in a spreadsheet. (laughs) That's how I, how, that's my walk. But I wouldn't change that for a minute. One of the, the practice, one of the practices, uh, and I give Marion all the credit for this, is we pray together in the morning and sometimes we pray separate in the morning. I'm up really early. She's up after me. So I'll do my practice on awakening because if I wait for a little bit, to do that, an idiot takes over my life. That's me. So on awakening, on awakening, a book says on awakening, not after three Red Bulls and a carton of cigarettes, check Facebook, make sure I got likes. Oh, I'm going to talk to God now. You know, all right? That's because some of you do it, I know. it. <laughs> Stephen just had his Red Bull under the chair. Uh-oh, busted. Right? I remember I was really new, and one of my first mentors, rest his soul, Vince D., uh, Vince Dowling, and uh, I met him counting days, and he had 30 years, and I didn't even know he was already into the book, really into the book. And anyway, I was sitting with him one morning, and he said, tell me about your morning. I says, Vince Dowling, what's about my morning? I've arrived. This is, he's concerned about my morning. He says, what do you do? I said, well, I wake up, um, make a pot of coffee. This is before, like, I had a computer. So we used to get the newspaper. Some of you guys remember the newspaper. I read the New York Daily News. We didn't go to the phone. I read the paper, have a cup of coffee, take a shower, pray, get dressed, and go to work. He says, let me get this right. So you do about a half a dozen things before you go to God. And I'm already sensing, like, I'm in trouble. And he says, who's preventing you from getting drunk from the time you wake up to the time you go pray in all those activities? He says, you may have one leg in your pants and before you put the other one and says, the drink will be good and go out the door half dressed to get drunk. And I heard him. And he had a way of speaking directly to me 
that would make me shake a little bit, but I got it. That I cannot take my alcoholism for granted like I got it because it always has me. I've said this from a million podiums. When it comes to me, although I may not be thinking about a drink in a while, it's always thinking about me. It's obsessed with me and plotting. You know, at halftime, the football teams go in the locker room and they figure out the strategy for second half, the weak spots, how we can do this, how we can do that. That's what my alcoholism is doing 24-7. Wait a minute. We got an open door. Let's go in there. I better be ready for that. We do this work. I do this work because I don't know what the day is going to look like when I really need it. I get right with God because I don't know what the day is going to look like when I really need God. I keep saying tomorrow, 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 and then tomorrow is today and it's too late. It's about to take my last breath. Oh, God, can I go through to work again to fix some of them? No, too late. Or worse, God forbid, I got a double vodka in my hand in a bar somewhere, and I say, I should have done the steps. Boom, I'll start tomorrow. Yeah. So what we do is when we finish our prayer, if we pray separately, and as I said, Marion kind of initiated this. She talks to me, and I talk to her about if anything came out of our prayer meditation. It's gold. She does one type of practice. I do another type of practice. They're both Catholic or Christian practices. We both take time to meditate. So like I said, sometimes we do it together. We read our big book together. We read scripture together. But then we'll meet. And what came out of prayer? What came out of meditation? And she's, Marion's phrase is, God spoke to my heart. That's how she likes to say it. And she has all this stuff. And then it's my turn. I'll tell her what came to me. And we compare notes. And something, sometimes that's all it goes. And sometimes it goes further. Inspiration for today when you live in spirit and you're inspired. But it's absolute gold. That God moved her to do that with me. And I, I'm willing to participate in something like that. Where, well, it's kind of silly. We got to get to work. This is more important than anything. Is prayer the most important event of my life or one of the 10,000 things I got to get to today? Am I practicing fidelity to God? Am I having an experience with God? I can't get wet from the word water. I can't get wet from the word water. I need to put my hands in the water to get wet. I can talk about God. It doesn't mean I have God. I can study this big book but not follow directions. I can read scripture and quote to you, praise the Lord and all this other stuff. And I'm 13 stepping in the parking lot. I know some cats who do that. I need to have an experience with this, which requires me often to go to many, any lengths, many, any lengths that make me uncomfortable and hurt. But how could I not? I found there's a difference between, you know, cold and motivated, self-motivation. A buddy of mine was just talking about this too. Being called is inspired. Inspired is in spirit. In spirit is one with God. You're going. Motivation is a payoff at the end. So everything becomes drudgery. So on awakening, I think about the 24 hours ahead. I consider my plans for the day. What do I have on the calendar today? Our book talks, uses interesting words, doing and being, doing and being, 
very often when I was new, I put doing first and expect beingness to catch up. And what I have found out the hard way through many mistakes is my beingness will dictate what I do. And how do I get right with my beingness? I need to go to God. That's why my book says on awakening. Keep me out of the way to get this day going. Okay, going to get to work. Got some things to do at work. After work, I'm going to do this and then get you a meeting tonight. That's the plans. God may say, no, you're not going to a meeting tonight because you're going to hear a fifth step. You're going to stay home and have date night with Marion. Whatever it might be. And I need to be open to that. And I give much time, we both do, to meditation. But I learned, again, the hard way. Seeking enlightenment, seeking oneness with God is a wonderful thing. But that that can be, for me, self-indulgent, self-absorbed, and worse, judgmental of people who are not seeking. Which means it's not working. And what I found when I'm seeking this God and seeking this thing called enlightenment, which is awaken and ability to report things as they are and live by the soul, be led by the soul. Okay, I practice love and tolerance without thinking about it because self-will is no longer in the way. Self-reliant is not in the way. When self-will, self-reliance is in the way, I can't practice love and tolerance because I got an agenda that's in the way. You're in my way. And living in the spirit, it's sometimes it can be uncomfortable because you find yourself wide open, even vulnerable. But how could I not be that way? Living by the soul, it feels like we're getting stepped on it a lot because people around us sometimes aren't. And they're just going, a, point A to point B, you're in my way, I step on you. And an awakened person, a soulful person will step out of the way. Or get stepped on and then apologize. Or pray for the person who stole from them. What? I'm in Brooklyn. Gun them down. You know, that's how we brought up in Brooklyn. They got you, get, get them before they get you. And this is telling me, no, forgive them. Turn the other cheek. Things like that. That goes against everything I was brought up on. I can't even think about living like that anymore. My book tells me to pause when agitated or doubtful as I go through my day, because I'm going to get agitated or doubtful. I can be agitated and doubtful. I can be doubtful without being agitated. Skepticism. I'm not sure what to do. So before I take over and start trying to figure it out, my book says we turn back to God. The words we like to work with is turn, watch, aware, and observe. Turn in in order to go out turn in to this power in order to go out. If I don't turn in, I will go without. But if I turn in too long, you better watch out. Because what I'm doing is worshiping me, the methodology, and all it's all about me. I'm meditating, do not disturb me. An old buddy of mine said he was meditating one morning. He really got into this meditation and he was sharing about it at meetings, how he's a great meditator and he was full of himself and he didn't realize it till this one morning and he hears his wife calling from upstairs. We'll call him Joe. Hey Joe, can you help? Hey Joe, hey Joe. And he snaps back. Damn it. Can't you see I'm meditating? And soon as it came out of his mouth, he realized he was missing everything. 
Everything. To be a maximum service to God and those about me doesn't mean I snap at someone because I'm in the middle of a meditation. I get up and go help them. I got attached to the length of meditation too in recovery. There was a bunch of us and it was a contest. Who was in meditation long? It meant you were more spiritual. I meditated for 20 minutes, 40, two hours, four hours. I didn't go to work. I've been meditating all day. I just came out, you know. <laughs> and my sponsor said, God doesn't wear a watch. Am I making an honest attempt to get quiet in front of him and be still? Meditating, if you will, with him, praying. Imagine this, praying with him, not only, not just to him, but praying with him and meditating. And we did some work and we found about 10 minutes minimum is what it should be to get still. We like to do 15, 20 minutes. I heard one guy say it's one minute per each hour in a day, 24 minutes. We're trying all these things. I've tried lots of things went to different classes, read a billion books because I was called to seek, to seek, to seek. The same way God is here to seek and to save, my job is to seek him out. The same way God has been patient with me and all my mistakes, I need to be patient with him as he crafts this thing, me, to better serve him. That's what I found this whole, this whole walk of life. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. Paying a mortgage, buying a new house, starting a business, raising our children, having children. These are big things. But for me, the number one priority is am I serving God? And Alcoholics Anonymous shows me and teaches me how to serve God and others. And part of the others is obviously working with others. Something happens to a drunken bum like me, I get fixed a day at a time. Because left on my own, I'm afraid. I've been afraid many times in recovery. I can be egotistical, I can be arrogant, I can be very timid, I can hide out, I can be right in the middle, all wrong. Overcompensate for my inadequacy, have to get stuff to cover up the hole in the soul, yeah. want to sound good so everyone says you sound good so I feel a little bit better about me until I get home and I look in the mirror and says it's still me, I wake up in the morning he's still here. No matter what kind of clothes I put on, hey, that looks really good on you. And I say, thank you, I feel good. But inwardly, I don't really believe it. Then I get home and look in the mirror. It doesn't look good at all. What I'm looking at is I am not good. So we base my, my, base my how I feel on all external things. And I'll continue to do that until that's taken away. And I need to seek my God again. Yeah. I know in meditation... It's easy to get into the worshiping, the methodology, and the whole routine, you know? I, when I first came around, I'd have like a 24-hour day book, um, daily reflections, upper room, meditation for men. I was living in Brooklyn, meditation from Brooklyn. It was just a baseball bat. That's all it was, a photograph of a baseball bat. And all these different books. 
And I have to read, you know, the page, thought for the day, meditation for the day. And I had the stack of books. I had to read all of those. Then I had to read steps 10 and 11 in the big book. And then I had to go pray. I'm using the word had to, by the way. Then I had to meditate. I had to stay in there for so long. Then I get up and go. I get in the car. I forgot a page. I got to run back. Light the candles. Burn the incense. Get the gongs going. Put on the meditation music. I got electric light orchestra going on in front of me. Candles, sage smoking up the house. I got this whole thing going on. And the only thing that's meditating is all of that stuff. Because I'm watching all of it. Believing that has made me spiritual. And what I found myself doing is worshiping idols. I can't meditate. Why? I got to go to Delray. There's a store in Delray that sells this stuff. I got to go to Delray tomorrow to get saved so I can meditate. What? <laughs> I'm running low on candles. I got to wait. So I get the candles, then the meditation's right. <laughs> That's what I was doing. I don't need anything to meditate. Put me in a corner. Put anyone of us in the back room. Sit in a the chair. There's a few people meditating tonight. I don't think they're meditating. I think they're sleeping, but... <laughs> So step 11 suggests prayer and meditation. We shouldn't be shy in this matter of prayer. Better men than we are using it constantly. Spiritual men. Religious men. In scripture talks about um, Jesus going off and praying for a while. What do you think he was doing? He wasn't taking a selfie, that's for sure. He was getting right with his father. He had to go get quiet. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he was, he was petrified. He had doubt and skepticism, which means I am going to have doubt and skepticism. No matter how spiritually fit I am, things are going to happen. Go, Uh-oh. That's okay, because I get back, back in the saddle. It says it works if we have the proper attitude and work out what's my proper attitude. Willing to be disciplined to the spiritual life, showing up with a spirit of honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness to be changed. I pray not to change God for me, but for willingness to be changed by Him. And there's days I don't want to change. I want God, this is my itinerary. For the, follow it. Huh? It would be easy to be vague about this matter. We can make some definite and valuable suggestions. They start off with the evening. It's interesting. I think the 12 and 12 talks about this. Because if I don't do anything tonight, tomorrow morning, if today was a rough day, I wake up tomorrow's Friday. I wake up Friday morning with Thursday all over me. Yeah. So we put closure on a day. Perhaps with some inventory, with prayer and meditation. Maybe a discussion with someone. So it says, when I retire at night, and you know, I, some nights I'm home. Mary and I are home that night. So my retiring nights are sometime right after dinner, before we get into a movie or something. Or maybe we're going to study our book, or maybe we're going to be on the phone. Sometimes that's 8 30, 8 o'clock. We go do our practice. And if anything comes up after that, we'll, we'll deal with it. And sometimes, like tonight, I'll get home later. So when I get in and I'm really tired, like many of us, a full day at work, 
you know, drive from Boca up here, drive all the way back, and you get in, and you're exhausted. Some of us go out to dinner after me, so you're walking at 11 o'clock. It's like, pray and meditate? I feel good I'm going to bed. I get that. But if it was about chasing a bag of dope or a drink to 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm not tired. <laughs> I'll find Flacco one way or the other. So it takes just a few minutes and after a while, it's like, how could I not do this? Yeah? So I review my day. Was I resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Fourth step stuff. Ten step stuff. Do I owe an apology, an amends to someone? Have I uh, kept, this is the biggie, have I kept something to myself which should be discussed with another person once? This is the sins of omission, the stuff no one's supposed to find out about, not even the sponsor. I just won't do it tomorrow. It becomes plaque on my soul. Maybe I got really angry with someone. Maybe a character assassinated someone in here. And over and over and over again, I'll find a lot of my life is about this walk is about forgiveness or making amends, forgiving and making amends, forgiving and making amends. But I need to be open and disciplined to this life. This is way past going to a home group. This is way past I didn't drink today. This is way past the sponsoring people and having a sponsor. This is a way of life. It should continue for a lifetime. This brings me to unity with God. How free, my sponsor Mark when he was alive would say, how free do you want to be? Go to an ocean with a thimble, come home with a thimble full of water, and God's giving you the whole reservoir. Yeah. How free do I want to be? I know when I was drinking, I wanted to get as drunk as possible. I want, I'm drunk, I want to get drunker. I want to get high, I high, I want to get high, you know, keep going. Coming to A, I got limitations on how free I want to be. And what I do is I put handcuffs on me again. I put shackles around my wrist and say, AA is not working. <clears throat> Silly analogy. It's really important that I have a relationship and a oneness, an intimate relationship with God, communing with God. So if I, a, a young fellow went down to the beach and wanted to... Uh, go for a run and he's down there and he's stretching and getting ready to go for a run and he happens to notice a very attractive young lady maybe 50 feet from him and catches her his attention and he goes about his run he noticed her he saw her perhaps she noticed and saw him but he goes about his run he's not in a relationship with him unless you're in a halfway house they're about half kids already but um, <laughs> yeah and then we'll go to Bible study later on. Um, so the next day you go down there, and he's stretching and getting ready for a run, and there she is again walking a dog. And he gives a little wave, and she waves back, and that's about it, and he goes on a run. Not a run run, a jog. They're not in a relationship. After about three, four days of this, he busts up enough courage and walks over to her, introduces himself and vice versa and have a little small talk and he has enough courage to ask her out to dinner. And she agrees. Still not in a relationship. Takes her out for dinner, acts like a gentleman, takes her home, gives her a peck on her cheek, thanks for a great night, makes sure she gets in okay and drives away. Still not in a relationship. They had one date. I know in AA that's marriage terms, but you know... <laughs> But let's fast forward with that couple. 
six months or a year. And they've spent a lot of time together, good time, some ups and downs in life that they went through. They shared, they communed. It was intimate, vulnerable. Whether the relationship was consummated or not doesn't make a difference. They introduced each other to their friends and family. They are now in a relationship. It was honest. It was open. There was intimacy. There was vulnerability. There's maybe some crying, some laughter. With God, I need to do stuff like that. Spend time with my God. And my 11th step subtly demands that I spend time with this power. Think about it. On awakening, retire at night. It bookends me. Then it tells me during the day what I'm supposed to do. Don't go too far, Pete. Because if you go too far, you're not coming home. You ever go down to the beach and... um, you're out in the water, you put your chair down and your towel, you go out into the water, and there's a little undercurrent, you could feel it, just a little push, you know, and you're putzing around the water, having some fun, and it's just pushing you, you know, you're in Boca, and just pushing you, and pushing you, and you go to you get your beach chair, and you realize you floated into Del Rey, <laughs> the undercurrent just pushed you, little by slowly, and oh my God, my chair's all the way over there, I didn't even feel it, it's a slow drift, because I'm not paying attention. Now I got to get back, and I can't because I can, now I can feel it, and I have to work triple hard just to get back to my beach chair to get home. It'll happen to me in recovery if I'm not paying attention, if I'm getting caught up in worldly things, and reputation, and money, and prestige, and all that other stuff, looking good, sounding good, being good, all the stuff, all the life stuff, and letting that be my master, when that's my master, how can I be a servant to God, and I'm drifting, and I'm drifting, and I'm drifting, and I'm drifting, and when it hits the fan, I can't find my way home, I don't even know where my beach chair is, I can't get this God, because getting my car clean right now is much more important, or going to the gym is much more important, or getting paid today is much more important than first serving God. So I can have a shiny car, a bunch of money, and a great body, and drunk smoking crack. Yeah. Was I kind and loving toward all? What could I have done better? Was I thinking of myself most of the time? I'm an alcoholic. That's probably most of the time. If I'm not spiritually fit, I'm thinking about me. An alcoholic does this. Let's not talk about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think of me? My book talks about packing into the stream of life, but it gives me a warning not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection. Why? Because it's going to diminish myself to usefulness to God and others. Morbid reflection. Oh my God, I can't believe I did this. Oh my God, I can't believe I did this. Raise my hand. I can't believe the next meeting. I can't believe I did this. You don't understand what's going on. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. I can't believe it. That's ego again. I see myself as perfect and beyond reproach. I screwed up. I can't believe it. And it eats my lunch. And it starts to permeate, put holes in the rest of me. Made a mistake. My dad used to tell me growing up, don't worry about mistakes. Learn from them. They put erases, he told me, on pencils for a reason. On computers, we now have default buttons and backspace. Because we're going to, nope, that's wrong. I spelt that. We got spell check, right? Because we're going to make mistakes. I come and say, yeah, I'm not going to make mistakes. Of course I am. That's what my book's telling me. 
It talks about making this review, ask God's forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. And sometimes for me, those corrective measures where I missed the mark, say Thursday today, where I fell short, I take into tomorrow, maybe take into tonight. Father, I missed the mark here. Show me how to make this right. Show me how to be more tolerant or patient, whatever it might be. Spend more time with that new guy. That new guy doesn't want to spend time with me. Show me how to love him and forgive him and accept him for where he's at. Things like that. Those are my corrective measures because before that, I was being me again. Pruning, the book is constantly pruning the tree for us. How free do I want to be? If you're sitting here and you're going, well, that sounds really involved and, and exhausting. It really isn't. Not when it becomes a way of life. I tell you, for me, what was exhausting and really involved and debilitating and humiliating and, 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 and degrading was chasing a drink 24-7. When I wasn't drinking, I'm thinking about drinking. When I'm drinking, I'm thinking about drinking. And when I'm thinking about drinking all the time, I'm thinking about how I can steal money, how I can borrow money, how I can take things that don't belong to me. And it goes on and on and on. This it's like getting a newborn in your arms and giving a little peck on the forehead. On awakening, I think about the 24 hours ahead and it gives me some instructions. We ask God for inspiration, intuitive thought, or a decision. When I face indecision, turn back to God. Turn in in order to go out. Turn, watch, aware, and observe. The words we use turn in in order to go out. Watch, aware, and observe. How am I doing? The gut check. Sometimes I just got to call a sponsor. And that has happened to me. I've shared it at this meeting a few times. Sometimes I pause because I'm agitated or doubtful or both. I'm undecided. I'm not sure or something just hit the fan. And I can't, I can't break through. So I call up my sponsor, Mickey. I'm stuck. I'm furious. I'm going to weep. I don't know what to do. Whatever it is. And just the phone call to the sponsor or another AA sometimes who knows what we're doing. Just, hello, this is where I'm at. You can feel the air going back in your lungs again. I got one leg out of the ditch already. Rather than I'll figure this out, I'll do it, I'll just do something. We become enlightened beings we become spiritual beings, but we're always human beings. And for me, that means I'm seeking spiritual life. I'm seeking God, but I'm broken and flawed. Scripture says I'm weak flesh, sold unto the slavery of sin. Those powerful words. And something like the things I want to do, I can't. And the things I do not want to do, I do but not my intention. I want to suit up and show up and be there, and I don't. I don't want to say something inappropriate, and I do. That's not what wanted to do. I just did. Erases on pencils. That's my condition. So regardless of how you can quote the book, I can quote the book, and who can quote the book, and, and all this stuff, I'm still human. I'm still flawed. I got clay feet. What's really dangerous when I start to believe I've arrived ahead of you. 
sometimes this path is when I forget that I'm trying to get there, when I get used to waiting, it's when I've arrived. There's no more attachment. It says, as I go through the day, I pause, and when I'm agitated or doubtful, ask, ask for the right thought or action. I constantly remind myself, uh, myself, I am no longer running the show. That's third step stuff. Humbly saying to myself many times each day, thy will be done. Your will, God. Your will. Your will. Not mine. Your will. Not mine. I want my will sometimes. God's not paying attention. There's nobody's doing God, I really need this. I mean, I know heaven's really cool. You don't need money, but I need some money. Oh, I need this job. I need this relationship. You're up there. It's kind of... He nudges St. Peter and says, you believe this guy? He's doing it again. I've learned again the hard way that I see what's in front of me. I can only see so far, and then everything, you know, if I look on a horizon, it gets kind of blurry. I can't make a good decision from 100 yards or 200 yards away. I got to get up close. That's how, my, that's how limited I am. God can see danger up ahead and will take me all the way around. I'm going, what? why is he going this way for? I should be going that way. It takes me all around when I get there. So I'm, good, good thing he did that. As an alcoholic, I say, I'm glad I thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> It says we alcoholics are undisciplined. Which I think is an understatement. So I let God discipline us, me, in the simple way we've just outlined in this book. Faith without works is dead. So I can have faith in God, faith in this process, but if I'm not chopping wood and carrying water, it all goes, it all goes sideways anyway. My meditations have changed over the years. I'd like to say evolved, I don't know, but changed. I was attached to methodology for a while and worshiping some of the little things on the altar. But I started to create a space in my home, a worship place. And the first time I meditated was for two minutes. I'll never forget it. And two minutes seemed like eternity. And what I found out is as soon as I went to go quiet, or still, I realized how noisy I am. Try to meditate, and I realized at that point, this head is firing all day long. Oh my God, there's a lot of traffic up there. There's a lot of voices up there. There's a hundred voices. I got Rambo. I got the guru. I got Moses. I got Romeo. You got to see when Moses meets Romeo. This is some conversation. Um, I got the entrepreneur. I got all these voices talking at once, and I get used to it after a while until I go quiet, and they keep talking. And two minutes seem painful in a long time, but little by slowly, little by slowly, little by slowly, it starts to change. Still get moments like that, but overall it changes. And I go into the silence to hear and darkness to see. And so what I do in the morning, I don't read before my prayer meditation anything. Clean slate. And I hit the mat and I pray. I love our third step prayer. I love our serenity prayer. I love our seven step prayer. I love our Lord's prayer. And I pray for a lot of people. 
And people I was upset with, I pray, Father, fill my heart with a spirit of forgiveness. I forgive Mary. I forgive Joe. Even if I don't mean it. And I work with that. I've been tested on that, if you will. I hate that word, but tested with the few folks who came after me and tried to bury me and put me, throw, you know, throw me under a bus. I forgive Joe when I really didn't mean it. I kept working. I found myself separated from all of that. God is God. God is God. He doesn't work for anyone. And so I don't do anything in the morning as far as reading goes. I don't listen to anything. I go on my knees, on the mat, and I work with prayer. I pray for people. There's some religious things I do as well. I'm a Catholic, so there's certain things, novenas, I don't know if you work with. Now I'm done. I go into meditation, and I sit in meditation. Sometimes I'll burn sage, because I'm in the mood to. I like it. I'm just not attached to it. I'll go months and months without doing that stuff. When I'm done with meditation, I make coffee. I'm a sports nut, so I like to see what's going on with the sports. So I go online a little bit of that, pay a few minutes attention to that. And then what I love to do, because I'm up early, so I have time. And it was a cool thing about waking up early. I'm not, I got to get to work. I got time. What I love to do is I have a whole stack of books that I've been working with for years. They're all mocked up and torn and ripped. And sometimes I'm called to a book and sometimes I just open up and I sit with my highlighter and sometimes I read a paragraph because it talks to you. You know when a book talks to you? That paragraph, boom, you're inspired. And sometimes I do more. Sometimes I have three going at once. And there's been times, it's 7 o'clock in the morning, 6.30 in the morning, and the mind after all of that just went, that son of a... And it starts. And what I do... And, and Marion is my witness to this. I get a pen and paper out, and I write inventory right there. See, my, where I'm at fault, what am I going to do about this? What's going on with me right away because I'm not walking out the door with all of that? I got enough. Jesus said something like, don't worry about tomorrow. We got enough today. I forget the exact way he says it. And so that's what I do. Go back to some prayer. And I read. Have a cup of coffee, read, highlight some things, sit with that. Serve God on awakening, and quite frankly, been called to a life of service. My whole life is service. I mean, work for a living, I get paid. But the spirit of what I do is service. Guys like Michael in the back, I, I know what he does. He's got a life of service, a servant's heart. What a great way to live. Because I was a taker forever. When I got here, I, I, I got here to get. I did. But I stay to give. And for some reason, you get soul food that way. So I work with 10 and 11, and that is, we get power by the time we get to 10 and 11. You know, we get power. And AA's a path to illumination, and the steps illuminate the path. And that power we get in 10 and 11, we take into all our affairs, and that power takes us back through 1 through 9 again. And we clean out some more, and we get more power, 10, 11, and 12, and that carries us back through the steps again. And one day we look back on how far we've come because of God. 
If I look where I want to go too much, it's like, whoa, that's a long way. When I run, I used to run a lot. I peek up every once in a while. Instead of running to a tree, you know, I look up every once in a while. But if I looked at like, we got to get down there, I'm already exhausted. So I keep my eyes on the road. Every once in a while, I glance back and wow, I came pretty far. Almost a mile. Yeah. So that's what I do. I don't stare back too long. I don't look up ahead too far. I look at what's in front of me. And as Enlightenment talks about reporting things as they are, seeing truth. It's not always happy. It's not always pleasant. You see truth, but at least it's truth. Because I live in a lie forever. That's all I got. Peace. Peter, one more time. All right, now it's time for our secretary report. And tonight's secretary is Miss Tanisha. Hello, my name is Tanisha, and I'm your recovered alcoholic secretary. In keeping with the seventh tradition, which states every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, the baskets are now going around. And I've asked Megan to read the recover statement. Um, I'm Megan. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, recovered. We are not cured of alcoholism. Uh, recovered, uh, but not cured. That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, uh, we would be able to drink uh, responsibly. Uh, no, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our lifetime. But, but we have been uh, restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in the body. We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have uh, recovered. We read this notice to explain why many people in this group identify as recovered rather than recovering and what it exactly means to be a recovered alcoholic. 1940-style big book sponsorship from 4th to 2nd edition Alcoholics Anonymous of Alcoholics of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sobered at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses. And among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. We, what we felt, seen, came to believe in experience is that God has not changed over time, and neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75% success rate. And now I've asked a show of hands of all the recovered alcoholics. Um, anyone needing a sponsor, um, please raise your hand. Don't be shy. Have one in the back. Yeah. Um, next is then. But let the let let's get these folks back to God. Um, anyone celebrating a year or more? Um, I'd like to ask you to stand up in place, and we'll go around um, sharing your sobriety. Anyone? All right, somewhere. Um. 
Please join us Monday night's Big Book Study meeting where the Big Book comes alive. Fellowship is at 6.30. Big Book Study starts at 7.15. And like Peter mentioned, some of us do show up at 5.30 and help set up. We have CDs, mugs, large print Big Books, the Little Red Book, and Big Book Dictionaries for sale in the back. Mike is ready to make a deal. Okay, and we have the BCIC, um, Broward County in a group, um, Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay, Broward County Institutions Committee. You know I'm going to mess this up. <laughs> Business meetings are the second Saturday of the month. Um, the next one is September, October 12th. Yes, uh, please help. Uh, service helps keeps us sober. Um, anyone um, representing the BCIC, please stand up so that way we can have someone, um, those that are interested in service, um, connect to you. Okay. Next, Broward County Intergroup, Alcoholics Anonymous, Broward County, Florida. Um, this is pretty much where you can pick up all your AA swag, your big books, your um, 12 and 12, um, medallions even for those that you're celebrating or for yourself. Um, Volunteer opportunities, um, service helps, keeps us sober. Uh, there's flyers also in the back that demonstrates all these, okay? And din- gratitude dinner planning meeting. Um, I believe the only way that you can go is by volunteering or getting a ticket is by volunteering for this. So Sunday, September 29th at 1 p.m. at the Pompano Beach Group on McNabb Road. Yeah, flyers in the back. Uh, General Service District 9 Quarterly Areas Assembly Host Committee, October 4th through the 6th, 2019, Marriott at Boca Center. <laughs> Early timers meeting. Um, Saturday, October 12th, um, 5.30 p.m., coffee and dessert, 7.30 p.m., speaker meeting. And that's us, Alcoholics and God, Thursday night, step series, 12 steps in 12 weeks, all right? Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group. And that'll be all. Let's give Peter another hand. I'm done, right? Thank you, Miss Tanisha. I'd like to invite everyone to our Monday night big book study and those whom wish to thank uh, tonight's speaker, please line up down the center aisle um, and let's close with the Lord's prayer. Who brought us from shame to grace?
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye.